you know, last 15 years when some of the brightest minds in the world spent their time getting us, you know, food delivery quicker uh, is changing. And, you know, the brightest minds are actually being much more impact driven and focusing on really advancing the world for better through technology. It was so good to chat with Henry Costa, co-founder of Glorify, not only about the incredible journey Glorify has been on, including the recent raises, but also his background and his why for Glorify. It reminded me how important it is to consistently and constantly remind ourselves of our own why. Why do we do what we do? What's our bigger goal? What's our core mission? What's our purpose? Whether we're an entrepreneur or in any form of leadership, little asterisks, remember we are all leaders starting with leading ourselves. Henry is the son of Ken Costa, who you may remember we had on the podcast in season one. So it was great to hear a little bit about the role Ken has played in Henry's life and career so far, but also how Henry has had to shape his own path. There are some great insights and thoughts in this episode and some tips for inspiring entrepreneurs. This season, we're privileged to partner with Stewardship, and our partnership with Stewardship is not just about sponsorship, but it's about working together to empower a generation of investors and entrepreneurs to explore generosity, stewardship, and finance. Alongside the podcast, we'll actually be running some events together. So stay tuned, and we hope to connect with you as we journey together through this season. As always, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. God bless. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Wonderful Leaders podcast and uh, as part of the series we're doing on entrepreneurs and investors, hugely privileged today to have Henry Costa, who's the co-founder and CEO of Glorify, if you didn't know who he was, and Glorify is an app designed to help Christians strengthen their daily connection with God. Henry's got uh, an incredible background and story and yeah, I'm looking forward to chatting with him, so welcome Henry. Thanks Dan, so great to be here. Awesome to have you. So, Henry, let's get straight into it. We've got loads to cover off today. Um, first question then, what does the day in the life of the CEO of Glorify look like? The day in the, the, day in the life of a CEO? Well, I see my, I see my time really as um, ensuring that resources are available and resources are allocated within, within Glorify. So um, when I talk about resources being made available, we're talking about funding, uh, human resources, so hiring, recruiting, and then allocating those resources um, towards the right areas. Where is where do we need more people? Where do we need um, to allocate budget? And aligning that with the strategy and the direction of the company. So a lot of that involves a lot of speaking with investors, speaking with our employees, speaking with advisors to really formulate that strategy as we look in this this big growth phase. Brilliant. And outside of work? Outside of work, I um, it, I find it really important to to not fill my and this is a, a skill that you know I think is 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 hard to do, but it it's something that I'm still learning at is trying to actually decrease what I what I have on my plate um, so I can actually maximize my my input and maximize my output being being in the most effective way. So I spend as much time as I can 
having clear headspace, time to think, time to brainstorm. Blue sky thought is really important, but then combining that in the weeds to be able to really execute on the on the strategy. I've got a young family, so they keep me very busy. I don't think I've set an alarm clock um, in the last few years um, as we've got natural wake-up time um, being jumped on in the morning. But but really carving out a period of time for me to, to, to walk, spend time in nature, that's what I really love. Um, I'm based at the moment on a, on a farm in Devon, and so I, I spend a lot of time you know, with the farmers and just uh, walking the hills in the morning, really just trying to spend an hour clearing my head before the day starts. And if I can, I do it with my wife in the evening as well. Oh, fantastic. And just a quick question then, side question. Is Glorify fully remote company? No, it's not. So Glorify is, we've got um, offices all around the world. So in Brazil, in Mexico, in the UK and in the US. Um, and I... And in the UK, it's in London. So we work, um, everyone's in the office two to three days a week and then flexible. Some people are in the office the whole time. Um, some people are just in those two, three days. But it's a, a flexible situation, which we, we found has been worked uh, uh, really well, kind of coming out of COVID and the employees really, really like. So I'm based in Devon and then I come in, come in each week on, on the fast train, which is actually quite easy. Brilliant. So uh, Henry, obviously recently you know glorifiers had a lot of press a lot of pr you, you know have an incredible investment round but i want to take a step back and just look at what got you to where you are today now i know that's a big question and i'm not asking you to cover off your whole life but you've got a really interesting and quite varied background so just tell our listeners a little bit about the journey to get to to pre-glorify mm. so i left university and I had no idea what I wanted to do um, but I'd done an internship with a hedge fund and they offered me a job at the end of it so I, I rolled into that and thought well this is this is great um, but it was it was after about a year of that that I realized that actually pure finance wasn't wasn't where I saw myself and um, it, I didn't I, I wanted something that was much more tangible something that I could could feel and I moved into Private, private equity, which was a, a more tangible, involved in physical companies, I really enjoyed, um, spent a lot of time in the natural resources sector. And then I made a you know, drastic shift and decided that I wanted to join the British military, uh, which, was, which was great and taught me a, a completely different um, operational skill set that I didn't have and gave me some amazing experiences. But I always saw my, myself, I kind of viewed my 20s as, as learning as much as I could. But I always saw myself on, you know, involved in business, involved in the commercial world. And I, I went out to Africa. I've always had a connection with Africa. My, um, my old man is, is South African and I've always spent a lot of time out with his side of the family. And it, it, I always had a bit, of, bit in me that was um, you know, a bit of a bug for Africa. I really loved it. And so I, I wanted to go to Tanzania to start a trucking company. Right. Um, well, you know, I had this view that, you know, Africa has, you know, logistics uh, is one of the main, main things that it connects the continent. You've only got sea around the, uh, you know, around the continent, but you don't have it with, within. So I thought you know, trucking would be great. And I ended up meeting someone in a bar in Cape Town and he asked me to join the founding team of a, of a, of a company that he was just starting. So there were five of us and it was a company called, it is a company called Jumo.World. Um, which built financial products on top of mobile phones for the unbanked populations of of Africa. Um, oh. and 
And it was a bit of a, a whirlwind from there. And that's really what gave me a passion for technology, understanding how to scale a technology business and the operations around it. Africa's a really tough market. Um, if you can get the ops right in Africa, you can get the ops right everywhere is, was, was what I, I believed in. And that really set me me going towards you know wanting to do uh, something myself i've always been entrepreneurial from school days and i really wanted to to do something on my own so when i came back to the uk with my wife um and then i met my co-founder and and yeah then we're here today brilliant and so, little how did you come about founding glorify with with your co-founders you mentioned ed beckel what was that journey because you know a lot of people listening to these podcasts you know are in different stages of their of their entrepreneurial business journey you know and, and you've you know this is what you so i suppose your second major second major startup you know but how did you come about founding it with another co-founder what did that look like well i I always find this, the strength of, of a co-founder is someone who's strong where you're weak and someone who who balances the areas that you're imbalanced and the importance of really understanding your own your own weaknesses. And finding a co-founder is 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 hard. It's a bit like finding a wife um, or a partner. You know, it's not it, it not everyone is a natural fit. And I think sometimes people go into finding a co-founder who has, who they get on very well with because they've got a very similar set of set of skills but that's not necessarily what you want no. and i i was in london i was getting itchy to be operational again um and i was introduced to to someone through a mutual friend to look at as an investment opportunity and that was that's my now co-founder um and he was 18 at the time and we decided to do everything together and we started a company called grasp.hr which is an hr tech platform um that we that we built together and we sold that last year and since then we, you know we've we, we're you know completely opposite characters we get on incredibly well we're great friends but we do very different parts of the business and there's you know the we overlap when it comes to certain things like fundraising um, but then there's we, we each handle different parts of the core experience, which is so it's a great relationship. Um, and together we're much stronger than than when we're separate. And it's great to have a, a sounding a sounding board. And to, so to answer your question of how we you know how it came to to glorify, you know I've grown up in in the church and the church being a huge part of my life. And I always knew that I wanted to do something in the Christian space, but I didn't feel a calling to be a part of the church and never really knew what that was and well now now I've, now I've found it and it it really was through my own ill discipline with my daily quiet time i you know i was remember i was in zambia i was living in zambia with my wife and every day we were trying to do our daily quiet time and we got into a good routine but you know, we would often fall out of it. We'd often be on the move. We'd often be busy. So many things were getting in the way. And I remember just saying to her, you know, why isn't there really good quality tech, the same level of the kind of tech that you're getting in the secular space that can help people encourage this and make it easy and enjoyable. And that was the, the real key formulation of the idea. And then, you know, me and Ed, um, when we started to to work together, started brainstorming that out, looking at the market. We saw we saw that there was a real lack of of products there, and we 
you know, we had this this mission. And I was guided, you know, when I left Jumo, the three principles for me was I wanted to find something that I was deeply passionate about, something that could be massively impactful and something that could have gigantic commercial success. And and I think those three things are quite hard to find, but in, right. in glory, I, I, I was really, you know, I really feel like we've got, we've got those in, in, in droves. That's brilliant. And you've obviously had, you know, incredible success at Jumo.world and the other ventures you mentioned, as well as, you know, experience in the military. And, you know, you, you kind of, you bring a lot of ammo into Glorify. But what were some of the lessons you learned from those earlier ventures or from your life journey so far that you sort of, you've taken into Glorify? Well, I think the key thing is you've, you've got to do something that you're passionate about. Um, and it's no fun doing something that you're not. So you've right. got to be enjoying what you're doing. And as, as basic as that sounds, um, that would be, you know, lesson number one. The, the second is with the best people, you can do anything. And so hiring is so important. Recruiting is so important. Ensuring that you have an amazing team around you that you can really lean on. I'm always hiring people who are better than you. You know, so many people are so much more talented than I am. And building a team ar- around you so you can you can really rely on rely on them, I think is 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 completely key. And then you know, finally, really leading from the front. I think my experience in the army, I was I wasn't an officer. I was a I was a a trooper and what was really interesting there was seeing the interaction that we had with officers and it made me really understand what what you want to see from a leader and i and what you 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 didn't want someone who is your best mate you just wanted someone who was decisive that you could back to make the right decisions um and someone that you would you'd follow anywhere because you really you really trusted them and someone that had your back and that was a you know key lesson that I learned in in leadership of 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 how to lead going going forward. Brilliant, that's really great advice. And so bringing us to where we are today, June twenty twenty two. What's the north star for Glorify? Well, our, our north star is is encouraging you know as many people as possible to to create a daily routine and a daily habit. Um, as part of our app and, and we have that and we look that in in the data is how many people are, are completing our our daily worship but our, our our overarching vision is is simple it's every christian every day and that's our what i call our infinite goal that's an, a goal and a vision that will that will endure um forever and right. that's something we'll always be be going and will always guide um our mission yeah brilliant and and I think you know that when when you when you bring that down to a business perspective, you talk about scalability. You've got something there that is infinitely scalable because of the faith element and the fact that we all need what Glorify does every day. You know what Glorify offers. So that's absolutely brilliant. Um, now, uh, something I mentioned earlier on is around the PR that you that you guys have got recently, and and a lot of that was around the latest uh, investment round. And some of the investors specifically that invested in it, and just the just the nature of the round and the momentum that it gathered, and just it was an incredible encouragement, I think, to a lot of impact businesses, faith or non-faith. But it was a real encouragement. I, mean, I heard the story from someone. Oh, did you read about Glorify? Did you see about Glorify? No, it was one of those kind of did you hear about? Did you read about? Sort of moments, really. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? How did that? How did that journey look? You know. 
around the kind of people, the size of the round. Tell us a little bit about that. So when we when we started Glorify, we were always adamant that we wanted to create something that was best in class, the best user experience with the best team to rival any of the products that were in the secular world. You know, classic examples would be looking at Calm and Headspace. They were big, you know, big inspirations. When I saw what they were doing, that was a big inspiration for me, which was they're amazing at getting people to empty their minds. For me, I, I wanted to build something that, that could empty people's minds, but fill it with the word of God. That was real, the root of the, of the mission. And the way that companies like, like that could build and build best in, in class user experience and hire the best talent was through getting brilliant funders and brilliant backers on board who saw the mission, saw the vision and saw the journey and wanted to finance that and had great um, expertise, but also great names and great brand names to be able to attract the best people. So we always targeted right from the beginning, uh, A16Z and Dreesen Horowitz was our number one fund that we wanted to do. We'd seen what they'd done in in consumer and we'd always thought they were absolutely brilliant. From day one of the mission, that was really a, a target to lead our, our Series A. So a lot of the time before that, the seed round was, was building to get into a place where we were confident that we could go with them with a solid story, a solid vision, and, uh, and, and really good data to take to them to, to offer as, in, as investment. Now, there's lots of, of course, it's Silicon Valley and there's lots of games that, um, you know, that are, that are played and there's, there's ways to, to create um, that demand, create that buzz, and ultimately create a competitive round. And what we did was create a very competitive round where we were incredibly blessed to be able to pick between multiple different investors. Um, but we always knew that the one we really want was, was Andreessen. And it's been, you know, it's been a fantastic journey, journey with them. They really believe in, in the, in the mission of what we're, of what we're doing and, and have been super helpful um, throughout. That's brilliant. And how did they, how did they sort of respond to the faith aspect of it and, and the kind of that whole side of it? Well, it's, it's interesting because I think a key part of why we decided to do this and, and why we decided to do it now, as opposed to two years before, or as opposed to in five years time was when looking at the market. And I always think that the best, best companies that, you know, there's three things that they've got is they've got a great idea, a really strong team, but also they've got, they've timed it well. And timing's so essential because there's so many amazing companies with amazing ideas that haven't timed the market um, sometimes through no fault of their own, and 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 it doesn't end it, it doesn't end up working. So the reason why we thought the timing worked so well is we saw this macro shift that was happening in the Christian faith space. And I think if you if you look 10, 15 years ago, it's what I've always called the ABC generation, anything but Christian. This massive stigma against um, Christianity, especially in uh, the the venture funding world. It was the least cool, least trendy thing that could possibly happen. There was actually a, you know, if you went anywhere near them with a Christian idea, the door would have been closed. But what we saw was this, this trend coming through of in popular culture of people much more willing to speak about their faith and speak about Christianity. And it was bubbling to the surface again i think covid was a big reason for this it um covid caused a lot of people to 
to look for greater meaning in life and often to go back to their roots and go back to what they knew when they either when they were brought up or at school and so whether it's you know if you if you think of you know huge breadth of some of the biggest celebrities at this time they're starting to speak openly about about being christians and whether it's kanye or or justin bieber or the kardashians or the you know basketball players football players you know, coming in in droves but they didn't necessarily have that platform to speak through and and that's what we thought was really interesting and and i think we that timing was at the cusp when when people were still unsure whether the venture space would accept it um but i think now we 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 slightly prove that the door is that the door is very much open absolutely an incredible moment there and and just you you kind of mentioned some some you know high profile names there was was that part of creating the competitiveness for the round you know you some of the names you had on board you know that that you know some household names global household names yeah i think that that's that's a huge part of of it all of those things you, you i mean you've got to have the fundamentals and you've got to have the data and you've got to have the the vision to support it but then structuring and building around really so it's it's it puts the company in the best place to be able to um to be able to execute on its business plan going forward is is something um that's so important to these investors they want to see not just that you've got a great idea but that you've got a great idea and all of the building blocks around you in order to be able to deliver it brilliant well henry that might have answered a little bit of my next question but i wanted to kind of take a step back and say and put myself and put ourselves into the shoes of a of a kind of young startup impact founder you know I've kind of got this great idea. I think I've got a great idea. I've done a little bit of validation. I've got maybe got myself a little bit of a an MVP. I'm in the market. I'm looking for either friends and family raise, or maybe I'm even ready for a the next round or even Series A. What kind of advice or encouragement would you give a younger founder in your shoes? Well, I think it's 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 moving fast, moving fast with conviction, but and and the the classic adage of you know having strong opinions held lightly so markets move very quickly lots of things change a lot and you've got to be willing to be able to adapt and sometimes that means adapting a business model pivoting on a plan and being very true to yourself and building a team of advisors around you that you can lean on heavily and listening to them and also listening to the market because you know we've we're in a very different financial situation in the world that we were in six months ago and your funding is actually actually a lot harder than it was six six months ago so i think it's um if, if you have strong advisors around you and they're giving you the best advice and you see what you've got is really working uh, then it's structuring around that who you want to speak to and not not thinking well they're the big names but actually really diving into well who in that firm should I be speaking to? How do I get to that person? And why would that person like this? You know, what have they invested in previously? Each you know, GP of each fund in each different team has an expertise in, in, certain, in certain areas and really picking out those and, and targeting a route to multiple ones of those because ultimately you want to have you know, five to 10 people wanting to do your wanting to do your round on only one of those can lead some of those can follow but you you want that so that might mean speaking to 50 to 100 
um, company or, or at least um, sending it out to 50 to a, to 100 companies. But then there's also cases, there's no point going after a big name if actually it's not in their wheelhouse, if this isn't right. something I think that they would, would do. So I think there's a lot of time can be wasted going down a, a lane that actually there's a very unlikely event at the end of it. So it's finding the people who are most likely to invest in in the in the business and then really going after them. And all of the, the VCs are, you know, that they they work, they succeed through their network. If they've got the best network and they get the best deal flow, so they all want to hear from people. Um, so just reaching out uh, and and trying to to look different and uh, is the most most key thing. Brilliant. No, that's excellent advice. That's really, really helpful. Now, shoe on the other foot time now. I know you're an active sort of angel investor yourself. What kind of things are you looking for then in any investment that you might get involved with? Well, I'm, I'm yeah, a huge proponent of, of tech for good. And so I love to see an impact story. And that doesn't mean that it's, you know, investing necessarily in a social enterprise, but it's actually investing in a in a product that that will have net positive in in society so i think that's a you know a really big one i'm hoping that the you know last 15 years when some of the brightest minds in the world spent their time getting us you know food delivery quicker uh is changing and you know the brightest minds are actually being much more impact driven and focusing on really advancing the world for better through technology so you know that's a big one but really it's the the founding the founding team their story um the timing of the market and then looking at an idea and and looking at the the tam of that idea what's the total addressable market you know how big can it go and and what are the barriers to entry to be able to do that and and is what else is out there and how can it be defensible against that are some of the things that for me personally i look at i I like to come in right at the start and, and and be with the founders you know for the whole for, for the whole um, for the whole journey wow brilliant again amazing advice really really cool now something you mentioned earlier on was about your father or your old man as you called him i'm not going to call him that you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned your father um ken earlier on in the in the episode um as you know we've had ken on the podcast a while ago and so i've heard a little bit about his journey but tell us a little bit about the influence that he's had on your journey and and on on your life huge inspiration on my on my life and um we've got an amazing amazing relationship and and i think that the two real things are um you know he's he's taught me about a strong work ethic um but he's also taught me about a strong work work ethic and a and a healthy family life um we're very blessed to have to grown up in a in a very healthy you know family unit and so you can have that balanced life whilst whilst also working in and achieving great things and then you know secondly i think is is doing it with that moral compass um and looking at everything through that through that lens brilliant and what is uh, you mentioned a couple of things again earlier but what does henry do to relax we've spoken a lot about the business side the investment side what do you do to kind of kick back from that? I just, I love being in nature. So whether that's in England, whether it's in Africa, um, whether it's in the Alps, winter or summer, I just love being um, in amongst 
mountains, hills, um, often take myself to off to the Brecon Beacons in Wales and, you know, and just walk. And that, and for me, that is that, yeah, that's just everything. I really, I, um, I really thrive off, off being in natural surroundings. And that's what I love doing with my, with my wife and my children. Brilliant. And uh, exactly very, very similar to myself. We were in Wales uh, over Easter, actually, and the great adventure time and absolutely love it. So important. I think it's so important for the kids as well. We find it so great for their mental health, for their just emotional well-being and have such a better connection point when you're just out doing something outside of the of the normal day, day daily routine and daily life. Um, what's coming up, Henry, that you're looking forward to? What's on the horizon that you're thinking that's going to be cool that you're allowed to share? We got you well, lots in the yeah, lots in lots in the pipeline that that I think is gonna be, you know, in, incredibly exciting. But I think, you know, looking at our reach, our our expansion, um, and just you know, getting that step further towards our infinite goal of every Christian every day and um, you know, getting so encouraged by the amazing feedback we get from people who have really loved the experience and really cherish cherish the app and that's what you know, keeps us going. So, you know, every day I just, I look forward to hearing that feedback. I look forward to, um, you know, seeing the reviews from, from our, our customers and, and, and that's something I cherish. Brilliant. So looking, sort of looking back at your journey so far, you know, what are some of those, those leadership keys that you carry in your personal life? You know, those things that you've learned along the way that you think, hang that that's in my toolkit now. I think it's, it's, I think it comes back to that that piece I was saying earlier around, you know, what does what what do your what do your employees what does your team what does everyone what do they actually want from a leader, um, and being able to to give them that and being able to provide provide them for that. And people want direction, people want surety of their of the ideas. People actually want, um, you know, criticism when it's when it's due if it's constructive. Um, people want to know that they're on the right path. People want to understand where the company's going, where their careers are going. And I think if you can provide that uh, as a leader and you can provide that vision and that security around it and in an enjoyable environment, then, you know, I think you're, I think you're, you're, you're going on the right way. Brilliant. And I suppose it's a, it's a similar question, but it's, it's something we ask all of our guests, you know, Looking back at your life and leadership journey so far, what's one piece of advice you'd give your younger self? I think that's got to be um, at the earliest time possible, recognizing your weaknesses. I think people often spend a lot of time working, recognizing and, and working on their strengths and thinking of where they're strong. But I think if you understand where you're weak, then you either can spend time in that area to build it up or you can hire around you so that you you can lean on others to take to take that away and you, not everyone can be this perfect universal um you know tool for every company so everyone's got weaknesses and that's absolutely fine so you you know i think it's recognizing what they are and and building in ways to to mitigate them through other people or through yeah, uh, learning and education to get up to speed. 
Brilliant advice. And I think that's something I should have given myself when I was younger. But that's excellent. Henry Costa, has been an absolute pleasure. Thanks so much for being on the Wonderful Leaders podcast with us. It's been really, really great to hear some of your insights, some of the wisdom, some of the journey so far. And yeah, God bless you and everything you're doing for the future. Thanks so much, Dan. Loved speaking to you. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Wonderful Leaders podcast and would love to hear how you've been encouraged. So please leave us a review and don't forget to follow and subscribe. To find out more and join the community, simply look us up at wonderfulleaders.com.